What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Blitz on the Balcony. Zach Zook here with you, presented by Brews on the Balcony, and I'm flying solo again this week. TJ and Nick are unable to be here. Uh, thank you for joining us on a Thursday. We have a lot to talk about, and we're going to get full on into our draft coverage. It's really hard to believe that the NFL draft is just too short. We go up by the decision to keep the draft where it's at, how that may affect the draft, uh, what I think about the decision, what GMs around the league think about the decision, and then the memo Roger Goodell sent out to the uh, various teams. But after that, then I want to talk about my top 10 prospects, uh, go player by player, just through the top 10 to give you guys an idea about some of these guys if you've never seen or watched them before. I have been watching film and games of these guys dating back to, I mean, really week zero of the college football season. Um, I can give you a little bit of an insight as to how I do it. And then after that, I thought, after we go through the top 10, I thought it would be interesting to kind of go through the uh, draft board to just see with the teams with multiple ones, what could they do? Where could there be some possible trade-out spots? Where could there be some value for certain players or where we think guys may fall? I'll do the actual mock draft coming up, uh, but for, for this, I thought it would just be kind of fun to go through it pre preliminary and just uh, take a look at where some value might be for some certain teams. Approach it more from a team aspect than just mocking players to different teams. So we'll do that. But first thing I want to talk about the draft. They're still going to host the draft. They're moving to an all virtual format. So Vegas really gets screwed out of that revenue. I don't know what the league is doing. I haven't seen anything on the interwebs about how they're going to accommodate that. I know baseball was planning on maybe doing some different things if they had to shorten their season. They had talked about maybe playing the World Series at Dodger Stadium, uh, neutral site World Series, because the Dodgers were going to miss out, obviously, on all the revenue of the All-Star game this summer. So I don't know if the NFL could maybe do something like that or just basically push all the draft plans back a year and allow Vegas to host the 2021 draft. I'm really not sure what the plan is for that, but I know for this year, they're still moving forward with the April 23rd date. That's two Thursdays from now. And it had been met with a lot of backlash and criticism. And I... While I understand the concern, obviously safety is paramount. And when you're talking about a sports league compared to life and death, it's very, very obvious that the safety should overrule all. That said, the NFL has to hold the draft, right? They have to do it somehow, some way. And by doing it all virtually, they can effectively do it safely. They are not going to have large groups of people. They are going to do it in a TV studio, it sounds like. It's going to be a studio draft. And everybody's pretty much, for the most part, going to be separated. Um, now, obviously, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some risk. Because if you think about the logistics of it, I don't know how you just quarantine everybody. You would have to like quarantine everybody from now until the draft uh, to allow the, anybody to come together to 100% be safe from catching the coronavirus. But 
when I think about the logistics of camera people, of producers, of the commissioner who has to read the picks, of the teams that have to get together in their in their war room meetings, and then uh, I think that the the they were going to do on basically an online war room, right? They were going to do it all on a Zoom call, and so then with the security of Zoom being breached, teams were concerned about getting their draft room hacked during the draft so that way uh teams would have a significant leg up they'd have in a bug essentially in their draft room so it was kind of a mess and there were rumors flying all about and so what roger goodell did is he sent out a memo and basically it 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 read like listen the draft is happening get over it, it, it it's gonna happen so just make the best of it and he even said if you if there are negative statements made publicly about this, it will be subject to fines. It serves no purpose to to you know bitch and moan about the draft. And I do not like Rod. I think he's done some really stupid stuff, but I do think that you have to respect Roger Goodell from the fact that he commissions the best league in 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 sports in the world. Uh, the MLB commissioner, Manfred, is terrible compared to him. Adam Silver, look how the NBA is doing financially. Not doesn't even come close. And then we all know about Gary Bettman. So uh, for as much as we like to hate Roger Goodell, you can't argue with the revenue and the money that he has made the league. Football has now become America's pastime, not baseball. Everybody sits down and watches football. And virtual draft or not, this is going to be the highest rated draft in the history of the NFL. It is the only thing on everybody is going to watch it. It will be the highest rated draft in the history of the league. So why would they move it if they can do it virtually? And for the personnel guys, like the Pittsburgh GM was proposed that there should be three extra rounds of the draft, which actually I don't hate that because... Guys that they don't have a medical grade on, a lot of teams will just refuse to draft. So you're you're going to see a lot of non-NFL combine invitees get go undrafted when they otherwise probably would have been drafted with the fifth, sixth, seventh round pick. So I actually don't hate adding on rounds eight, nine, ten to the draft, and basically you just get a, a better priority on your on your undrafted free agents that you were going to invite to camp. I actually don't hate that idea, but. He falls into that group of all the personnel people just bitching and bitching and bitching about the draft. You've been scouting these guys for years on end. You had the Senior Bowl. You had the Combine. More importantly, you had the entire college football season to decide whether or not you like or want to take a player. You still had uh, your visits for the most part, at least in the beginning, before things started getting crazy and out of control. Then they had to shut all that down, pull their scouts off the road. But you still have your sources. You're still able to get in contact with these guys. They have enough, is the point. So the personnel guys bitching about the draft like like they're going to now blow it. Well, the Browns and the Giants blow every draft every year. So I don't I don't really know if this matters all that much. They still screw up the picks. So having a little bit less time to prepare I, I think that's just complete bullshit. They get paid millions of dollars to make these decisions, and they have a ton of time to make it. They have a ton of resources. It's not like they didn't play the college football season this fall, or it got cut short. 
They still had the Senior Bowl. They had all the bowl games. They they have enough information to make an intelligent, informed decision. And that's what Roger Goodell is getting at. Like, this serves absolutely no purpose. It's ha- it, The draft is happening. Get over it. So, I for one am glad that it's happening. Uh, we need something as a society, sports-wise, to take our minds off of just the craziness that is the coronavirus that is sweeping through the U.S. right now. And so I think that it's going to be an overwhelmingly positive thing, again, again, as long as you can do it safely. And I don't pretend to know exactly how it's going to go. Uh, I've, I've read, read articles and things like that, but I don't think anybody truly knows exactly how they're going to do this, this studio draft, in quotes. But it's, it's going to be done, and, and they're going to put measures in place of the draft before they can do the next season anyways. So you have to host it at some point. Uh, if anything, I feel bad for the kids that are coming out this year. On the one side of the coin, yeah, you're going to be a part of the highest rated draft on TV ever, and everybody's going to see your face. But with the social distancing and everything, you can't even invite your family over to your house. You can't walk across the stage on the first night of the draft. They were going to shuttle everybody there in ferries to the draft stage. And and that's all gone. So I feel bad for those kids. Uh, But uh, they they still, like the kids also, you can't just force them to wait. Force them to wait three months when they've been working 20 plus years to get to this night. I don't think that's very fair to, uh, to, to to the players or to the kids. So... Let's go through now the top 10 players in the draft. And this is according to me, obviously. This is just my opinion. And when then when we go through kind of the teams with the with with picks, uh, we can kind of I'll, I'll tell you what the what the consensus has been about what teams may do certain things because there are obviously players that I'm not very high on that are likely going to go in the top 10, top 15 picks. And guys that I'm higher on that their value currently right now is a little bit lower. So I'll go through my top 10 and then we will go through kind of just the, that first round of the draft, the first 32 picks. We're not going to do like a mock draft, but just look at positional needs. Could a team trade here? Uh, where the quarterback's values currently sit and, and, and play through some different scenarios. So my first player, and this has already changed from what I posted on Twitter, I think last week. It's the only change uh, because I switched around a couple of my tackles. I moved Jedrick Wills, the guy from Alabama, ahead of Mekhi Becton. I had him graded very, very closely anyways. They actually had the same grade. So uh, in scouting, and I used the, the same scouting grading tools as uh, NFL scouts do and what the, the uh, NFL media guys do, like Daniel Jeremiah, Lance Zerline, those type guys. Uh, so I actually had the same grade on them, and I have the same grade on several players. So what you do then is you take the, the group of guys in that grade and you stack them. Who, who would you rather have? And it's really independent of positional value. But uh, I went back and I had him with the same grade, but I switched out Wills over over uh, Becton, who I currently had as my 10th player. And so then that slid him down and put the number 11 player up to 10, which is where we'll start. And that is Henry Ruggs III from Alabama. I have him graded at a 6.9. And why don't I just go through kind of what the grades mean? 
So a 6.9 is somewhere between a year one quality starter and an all pro. So, uh, or, a, or a pro bowl talent. I'm sorry about that. Uh, uh, year one quality starter and a pro bowl talent. And, and I think quite clearly, uh, Henry Ruggs is, is a pro bowl talent. Um, he ran the blazing fast 40, but in addition to that, I feel like a lot of the blazers that haven't worked out in the NFL have been guys that you don't really see the speed on the field. Like with John Ross, you knew he was quick, but when I watched him at the university of Washington, I never really saw the fastest 40 ever when he played. So you have to combine those physical traits with your play speed, and it has to come across on the football field. I mean, we're playing football. It, it, does, it does you no good to look like a freak in the gym, and then in, but then you don't replicate that on the field, or it looks different because of the way the game is played. And Ruggs' speed pops off the screen when you watch him play. And I think that really the only comparison for him is Tyreek Hill. And the issue with him that some teams may see is, is, is Henry Ruggs going to be a true number one wide receiver? Because if he's not going to be the number one in your passing attack, it's really hard to justify taking him 15 or, or 10 overall, right? Or 13 to the Niners. And we'll get to that. That's where a lot of teams have him going. But... It's hard to justify taking him in a spot like that if you don't think he's going to be the number one weapon. And I think that you'll have to follow the model for Tyreek Hill's career with Henry Ruggs. I don't think you can immediately stick him on the outside day one and just say, all right, you're the number one receiver, run the entire route tree, beat the top corners in the NFL, and we're going to throw the ball to you. That's not the type of player he is. He's the type of guy that you run, you run him in the slot, you run him you give him some jet sweeps, you get him on some crossing routes, you throw the ball out to him in space on bubble screens, and you let him try and knock the top off the defense. Like You do not ask him to do everything. Just find creative ways to get him the ball. I think that should be really his entire rookie season. Just find creative ways to get him the ball in space and, and, see, and see how he does. Because if you try to put it all on him, let me see what his measurables are here. I got I'll pull up in my Excel sheet. But he's not the biggest guy. He's yeah, he's six foot, 190 pounds. He's basically the same size as Tyreek Hill. And if you remember, Tyreek Hill now is the number one passing threat, and he does a lot for the Chiefs. But they have more traditional wide receivers in Sammy Watkins, and then of course the tight end Travis Kelsey that pick up some of the areas of the route tree that Tyreek Hill doesn't really run. If you think about it, they use Tyreek Hill really as a home run player. And I think that's how Jerry Judy, or sorry, Henry Ruggs has to be used. You just, you can't just ignorantly draft him 12th overall then to try and justify the pick. You're trying to make him do too much because I think that's the way he could potentially fail. My number ninth player is Tristan Wirfs. He's an offensive tackle from Iowa. I thought that there was a possibility that he could actually play guard and be like a Quentin Nelson level guard on the inside because he's so athletic and he has he he has the size like he could do it and he's an athletic freak. Uh, just 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 a great athlete. Probably the greatest athlete in the draft in terms of the offensive tackles. So 
I think he's too good, though, to the point where they're not going to put him on the inside because interior offensive linemen, just quite simply put, don't matter as much as, as the exterior guys, the offensive tackles that are blocking the edge rushers, and he's good enough to hang out there. I mean, it's not about whether or not he can hang at O-tackle. It's about I think he might be an even better guard than a tackle if you can get him pulling around and uh, get, get him going downhill with his athleticism and his speed. He would be a great pulling guard, I think. But he's going to be a really good tackle, too, and I think he's the best tackle in this class. He's a Big Ten offensive lineman. I'm kind of a sucker for those guys. I think they typically work out very well at the next level because of the style with which the the Big Ten plays, especially Iowa is known for the hog mollies in the trenches. So I think Tristan Wirfs is going to be a really good player. Uh, he, he tested insane at the combine, 6'5", 322. Uh, he's, just a, he's just a really, really good player, impressive guy. He's going he's gonna to go in the top 10. There, there's no way he doesn't. Whether or not he's the first tackle off the board, I think there's a couple guys that are all really kind of close, and it's really just well, kind of like the wide receivers. What flavor of ice cream do you want? Uh, wh- who do you think will fit your your offense the best? But Tristan Wirfs 100% isn't making it out of the top 10. My number eight prospect, and this may be s- somewhat controversial, but I had a little bit of a tough time with this. It's Joe Burrow, the quarterback from LSU. Uh, I, I think that he is a tough grade because you got a guy that never was able to get on the field at Ohio State, had to transfer to LSU. In 2018, he was good, not great, but heading into the 2019 season, he was a mid to late round pick. And that's just what he was. And I liked him. I remember going into the 2019 season, I thought, you know, if you're a quarterback needy team, take him in the third round and I think that he he might have something because he he was an impressive player even though the stats weren't there in 2018, but 2019 it, it was it was incredible. I mean, quite simply put, it was the best statistical season we've ever seen in college football. It's not even debatable. It's not even outlandish for me to say that because I remember I hesitated the first time I the first time I said it, but it, it's it's not even a debate. Who would you put up against it? Like Cam Newton from Auburn it doesn't come close. Look at if you actually look at the numbers, Joe Burrow was absolutely insane this year for LSU, and Joe Brady deserves a lot of the credit, and he was rewarded with the position with the Carolina Panthers under new head coach Matt Rule. Uh, a couple of college guys running the organization down in Carolina now, but Joe Burrow and what he was able to accomplish in 2019 was. Uh, nothing short of an, a, a, a meteoric rise. And so I had a tough time because where do you put 2018 Joe Burrow? And then where do you put 2019 Joe Burrow? And then how do you kind of fuse those together and project what you think he'll be at the next level? Because if you're thinking he's just going to be 2019 Joe Burrow throughout his NFL career, I think that's ignorant and it's unfair to Joe. Because it was historically the best college football season, again, we've ever seen. I've read scouting reports on him from other guys that have done it and published it. And they, they're saying he, he's it's the best college quarterback tape they've ever watched. Or up there, right? And think of the guys that have come out in recent memory. You had Andrew Luck. We've had uh, Carson Wentz. We've had Jared Goff. We've had Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield. A bunch of top picks. Sam Darnold. 
uh, have come out in recent years, and this guy has topped them all with his final collegiate season. And so, how do you how do you project it? I think that it, it, you need to run some of the same things. I think you also uh, need to understand the talent he had around him, and if you can't replicate the talent you're not going to achieve the same results, right? Uh, off the top of my head, he has three offensive linemen that are going in this draft. Damian Lewis, Lloyd Cushenberry, Sadiq Charles. I mean, they might even have a fourth. Uh, the tight end Thaddeus Moss is going in the draft. They have Justin Jefferson who's going in the draft. Clyde edwards Hilaire is going in, in, going in the draft. And these are all like top, like top three rounds, most likely. Uh, and Jamar Chase is, might be the top wide receiver in the 2021 draft. He's that good. So he was surrounded by incredible NFL talent. And if he's picked by the Bengals, he's not going to be surrounded by that talent. And I, I think that the drafting team just needs to understand that and try to put him in a position to succeed. Joe Burrow has a, a great ability to play within the offense, but also escape, keep his eyes downfield, and pick your defense apart. He throws the ball with great anticipation. He throws the ball with very good accuracy. His accuracy doesn't really dip at any point in the field. He can make the short throws, the intermediate throws, and he can hit you on the deep ball. He can throw on the run, and he can throw from in the pocket. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but he has underrated athleticism, I think. And it's something that when I watched him in the season, I didn't really you know, think of him as a, as a mobile QB. But when I went back and watched him then in the offseason, he, he's not a mobile QB in a running sense, but he's an underrated athlete. And the amount of times he escapes pressure is really impressive to then hit a guy downfield. Now, the windows aren't, aren't going to be nearly as big in the NFL as they, as they are in, in the SEC, but it's the highest level of competition you can get in college, and he just sliced and diced them all year long. So I think you have to temper your expectations with him a bit. I don't think he is a Patrick Mahomes type or a Carson Wentz type where you just put the offense on his back. I think he needs help to win uh, because you saw in 2018 when the roster wasn't as good, he wasn't as good. And then when they got the talent around him, he was awesome. So I think that he can manage your offense. He can make efficient and consistent decisions, put your team in a position to win, and he can also... Uh, he, 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 can, he can work the wand a little bit uh, when he's under pressure. He's not necessarily a statue back there. He's not, I don't think he's a game manager. I don't think that's necessarily fair. I use that, though, in a positive sense. Like he, He's going to manage the offense and make efficient decisions, and he's going to distribute the ball. That's ultimately what he is, and that's what I, what I mean when I say he's not the Mahomes or the Wentz. They're kind of the playmakers. The, the, the play centers around what they do. Uh, whereas Joe wants to distribute the ball and get the ball to his playmakers, and he's really, really dang good at it. So uh, nobody just went on about Joe Burrow for a long time, but he, he is such an intriguing prospect. Move to number seven, we'll kind of speed it up here. CeeDee Lamb, wide receiver, Oklahoma, really good player, second best wide receiver in the draft to me, and they're all really close, that top three. It, again, depends on what you want. He's very aggressive at the catch point. He's outstanding run after catch. Like if you're looking for the Odell Beckham guy that's going to take a three-yard slant, make three guys miss in the secondary and take it 50 yards to the house, C.D. Lamb's your dude. He's a dog on the outside. Again, I said he plays really aggressively. Will high point the ball. Will go up between a couple different guys and bring it down. 
Uh, he The most impressive thing to me is he's been the top wideout at Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley. It's been one of the best college offenses uh, in the last couple years since Lincoln Riley's gotten there. And he's played for three uh, different quarterbacks, all who were drafted in the NFL, all, all who are going to be, Hurts is going to be. And uh, all are very different styles. So first it was Baker Mayfield, then it was Kyler Murray. This past season, it was Jalen Hurts. He had huge success with all three of those guys, which shows me that he's really dynamic in terms of the chemistry he can create with his quarterback, no matter who that is. I don't feel like I have to worry about that. He's going to get on the same page with his guy, and they're going to have success. He's a day one plug-and-play starter that should make a significant impact on his, his drafting team from the day they pick him. My number six pick or my number six overall player is Derek Brown, uh, defensive interior from Auburn. Like, this guy's crazy. I've watched him maybe the most out of any of the top 10 guys, just happenstance. I watched a lot of Auburn games. I had some Auburn work for PFF. And he just just mauls offensive linemen. It's crazy. The way he fires off the ball, he plays with such power and strength that he just blows plays up without even touching the ball carrier. And that he can do that to a fault because he loses his eyes and he'll get washed. So he'll drive his guy three, four yards into the backfield, but then he has no idea where the ball carrier's at. Um, I've had colleagues express to me some concern with they don't think he's going to be able to drive guys back like that in the NFL that are guards and centers, like NFL guards and centers. Like they don't they don't see him doing that to the Zach Martins and Travis Fredericks of the world, but. I, I don't know. I, I saw him do it to, to guys that are going to be in this draft. Again, it, against LSU, he was he was a beast. He was an absolute terror on the inside. And like Lloyd Cushenberry, Damian Lewis, got, those guys are going to be in the draft this year. Uh, and and he, he bullied them. He is just very, very impressive. And he's been facing double teams. He comes from a high pedigree. The opposing offensive coordinators know they need to take away Derek Brown, number five in Navy, uh, before the game even starts, and he's still able to have a significant impact. So I really like Derek Brown out of Auburn. Uh, again, this is independent of positional value. So I understand the defensive interior is not as valuable uh, as edge guys, but uh, just in terms of dominant force, good being a good player, uh, Derek Brown is number six for me. Isaiah Simmons, number five, linebacker Clemson, another really interesting player. He is uh, a freak athlete. He's the freakiest athlete in the draft. But if you're thinking he's just going to play a middle linebacker, like stand up middle linebacker, wrong. He he, that, he won't work that way. He's very dynamic uh, in terms of his athleticism. Has a, had a crazy, crazy combine. Runs very fast. Faster than uh, most of the corners ran. That's how crazy he is. He's 6'4", 238 incredibly strong, incredibly fast. Just, just, I mean, he, he's the, he's the freakiest athlete in the draft. There's just no two ways about it, but I don't think he's smooth enough from what I saw on his, his college tape. He's not smooth enough to just play safety because I don't think he's really going to be able to guard NFL wide receivers, especially not slot guys, but he's not necessarily solid enough against the run to take on offensive linemen 
or to just stick in the middle. So I think what they're going to have to do with him is he's going to have to play that sub linebacker in that third safety spot, which is great because that's basically a starting position on the defense now. And I think that's what he'll end up doing because he can easily take away tight ends and in most running backs even. Maybe not Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey, but most backs, if you put them out in a route, uh, Isaiah Simmons is going to cover them up. Most tight ends, and I, I'd, be, I'd be willing to say probably... It, it, basically all tight ends now that Rob Gronkowski's retired he's gonna take him away I can't see Travis Kelsey beating Isaiah Simmons one-on-one in space it's not gonna happen Isaiah Simmons is the better athlete so he will just take tight ends and backs completely out of the game I think his best trade on film actually like independent of position again was edge was blitzing rushing he was really good at that Better, better at that than he was against stopping the run or in coverage. So I think they can play him down in the box, do some really interesting things, drop some blitzes for him, and let him play that weak side will maybe in your base so you can keep him on the field at all times. He's the ultimate chess piece. You'll hear that that phrase a thousand times on draft night. Uh, if you play him that weak side will, he can have some clear sight lines. He's not going to be uh, directly responsible for hopefully a lot of run stuffs. So you allow him to play a little bit more free against the run in the base. And I think that's where he'll have uh, the most success. You can do that at least early on until he declares himself. But he is as, as, as clear as day, that perfect uh, hybrid between your base linebacker and then your sub guy that can also cover. He's going to be fantastic for that style that the NFL has moved towards. My number four prospect, Jerry Judy, wide receiver, Alabama. I think he's the best wideout in the draft. Again, it's close, but I, but I like Jerry Judy. He is the route runner. He's a technician. He's one of the more polished receivers I've seen since I started uh, kind of studying prospects and trying to learn how the NFL evaluates people and uh, what to look for, uh, which I've been doing that about, I think it's like my third year. I, I, I've been doing it for, for like maybe four or five years, but only seriously the last two or three. So, uh, but he, he's the best I've seen uh, when it comes to the polish and just being ready to take over on day one. Reminds me a little bit of his uh, counterpart, Amari Cooper, because I don't know if he has like the highest, highest end of Jerry Judy. I don't think is as high as the highest, highest end of like a CD Lamb or maybe a Ruggs because they have maybe more athletic potential. But Jerry Judy has the highest floor by a wide margin. This guy, if he doesn't catch you know, 70 balls a year for a thousand yards a year, there's something wrong with the offense because he is built to just absolutely leave corners in the dust with his route running ability. And it's not like he's slow either. It's not like he's a bad athlete. He ran sub four five at the combine and he's a, he's a really good athlete stands. I think six foot one. Let me double check that. Yep. Six one one ninety two. I comped him to Stefan Diggs. I think he's a lot like Stephon Diggs in his route running ability. Uh, they're about the same size. Uh, Jerry Judy is actually underrated after the catch, too. Everybody talks about C.D. Lamb's ability after the catch and then Ruggs' speed. Jerry Judy's kind of slippery once he catches the, the football. And if he gets behind you again, he, like Henry Ruggs, he, you're not catching up to him. I, I didn't see him get caught once. So, again, he's not slow. He's a sub-4-5 guy. It's just that <laughs> uh, Henry Ruggs ran 4-2, and C.D. Lamb may, was making spectacular plays all college football season. Not that Jerry Judy wasn't, 
but C.D. Lamb was was doing all sorts of stuff after the catch, whereas Jerry Judy would just leave his corner in the dust 20 yards before he caught the ball. So I, I think Jerry Judy's the best wideout in this draft. That's who I'd take. I think route running ability is the paramount trait for a wide receiver because once your physical traits start to wane, which they will probably not too long after your rookie deal is up, he's still going to be good because the Larry Fitzgeralds of the world, the guys that are able to make a living well into their 30s like Julian Edelman, those are the guys that stick. And the Des Bryants of the world, for all their physical ability, they're not very polished route runners. So what happened to Des when he wasn't such an athletic freak anymore? He couldn't gain separation. Alshon Jeffrey, what's happening to him right now? He can't gain separation. Jerry Judy will always be able to gain separation, probably into his mid to late 30s. So he's always going to be valuable. That combined with his speed, he's going to play in this league for 10 to 15 years. He, he just is. He's such a good player. Another guy, number three, Alabama. Uh, this time it's the quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, I like him better than Joe Burrow. I know I'm in the minority on that. He's a lefty, and the the concern is the hip. I think if if they clear him, uh, if, if the doctors say he's okay, and everything I've heard has been overwhelmingly positive with concerns to his health, I think you take him. I also don't think the hip concern is as big of an issue because he's a quarterback as it would be if he was a running back wide receiver practically any other position because he doesn't have to move as much he's not hopefully getting hit as much so I'm I'm okay I'm a little bit more okay with that than I would be at any other spot I just think Tua is going he was the number one guy coming into this year and for all of Joe Burrow's success I don't think Tua did anything to lose that spot except for going down with the hip. He's a really tough kid. He is, he's again, like Joe Burrow, great at creating uh, space in the pocket. He's a little undersized. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He's six foot, uh, whereas Joe Burrow is six three. But he's 210 pounds. He's a thick guy. I think he's going to hold up. I know the durability with the ankle and now the hip is a is a concern, and it's a legit concern. Uh, but I, I think Tua is exceptional. His ability to place the ball, to read defenses, to process coverages, and effectively get the ball to his guys is is insane. And he, like like uh, Joe Burrow has benefited from a ton of talent around him. Jedrick Wills, the offensive lineman, is going to go in, in the prob- probably the top 10 of this draft. Um, and then he had the quartet of wide receivers, and he has Najee Harris, the running back, that's going to go. So he's had a ton of talent around him too. I just, at, at the end of the day, I feel like the sample size is larger with Tua. I feel like I know what I'm getting, and I feel like he perfectly fits the RPO spread scheme uh, a lot of guys think he's pigeonholed into that offense. I don't think so. I think maybe that's he's best tailored for that offense. But he, I think he could make it work really in any NFL offense. Um, I think he's a very accurate passer. He can throw bombs, uh, and and he's just done it for longer. And he, and I, I like the guy too. I, lo- I love Joe Burrow. I like them both. But at the end of the day, if I have to pick one guy to be the CEO of my franchise for ten to fifteen years and take me to win a Lombardi. I think two is the guy. I think he's 
a fantastic football player, and I think he's going to make his drafting team very happy at the next level. A couple Ohio State guys, then we'll get into kind of the draft. Chase Young, the edge, is my number two. Jeff Okuda, the corner, is my number one. Chase Young's the top player on most people's draft boards. I just think Jeff Okuda's a little better. Chase Young is still, he's just a freak on the edge. Uh, most of you have probably seen him play. He makes it look easy. I've seen him comp to Julius Peppers because with his size and speed, he can play the run. He can rush the passer. He had 10 and a half sacks in 2018 and was like chopped liver. You know how many he had this year in 12 starts? 16 and a half sacks for Chase Young. Absolutely incredible. Uh, when, when you think of how easily he got to the quarterback against NFL uh, or against Big Ten linemen, some guys that are going to play in the NFL, it's it's really remarkable. I think that at least based on college tape, and I'm not saying he's going to be better than him, but based on just the college tape, he was better than Nick Bosa was at OSU. And it's not it really isn't even all that close. I bet most Ohio State fans would tell you the same. Chase Young was a dominant force in 2019 for OSU. And Jeff Okuda, similar to Jerry Judy, is just so polished. And that's why I have him a tick above Chase Young. I think he's the best player in this draft. I would be shocked if he doesn't play a decade in the NFL. He is a tall, lengthy, man-to-man corner that can play in press coverage. He can play off. He is He's excellent. 6'1", 200 pounds. He's just insane. Uh, his ability to mirror wide receivers, he's so clean in his technique and his footwork. And that's not something you see from a lot of college DBs. I mean, he, he, he looks like an NFL player playing against college receivers. He has the speed to hang with these guys. And even if he's beat, he's faster than most of them. So he can get back caught up with them. He has the long reach, the ability to jam at the line. I love Jeff Okuda. I think he's going to be a great player. So now that you have the top 10, let's go to the draft here. We got the Bengals picking one, Redskins picking two, Lions three, Giants four, Redskins, nope, Dolphins five, Chargers six, Panthers seven, Cardinals eight, Jags nine, Browns ten. So let's go go kind of through this here. The Miami Dolphins kind of rule the draft right now. They have three first round picks. And so they can do a lot of different things. They're all at different points in the draft too. They hold the fifth overall pick. They hold the 18th overall pick, and they hold the 26th overall pick. I'd be shocked if they hold on to all those. I think that they have to get a quarterback. Whoever it is, they have to make sure they draft their guy. I've heard that they liked Herbert. I don't know if that's smoke and mirrors. Uh, I I thought that Tua was going to be the pick for them. I I, I still think that they're going to end up choosing Tua. I think he would fit really well down there in the culture Brian Flores is is trying to uh, instill, and they just, whoever that QB is, they cannot, cannot, under no circumstances, allow a team to jump them and settle for their second guy. You have three first-round picks. You have more ammo than anybody. Do not let anybody jump you. If you have to overpay a little bit, fine. You have got to get your quarterback, and you have got to get your first choice. You're picking fifth overall with two additional first-round picks in this draft. You have to, have to, have to land your first pick at quarterback. Unless it's Joe Burrow and the Bengals take him and they say, hey, 
we're not trading off this spot. We're taking our guy. You're not getting Burrow. Then you, again, you like if you're the Dolphins, you have no choice. Like you, if they're not going to give you the first round pick, you can't take Burrow. But you have to get your your guy beyond that. Then, and I've heard buzz of that maybe the Bengals should trade the first overall pick uh, to the Dolphins. I don't think that's going to happen. Although it's an interesting scenario, I think that uh, it's at least worth a thought here. Keep in mind, Zach Taylor coached Justin Herbert at the Senior Bowl. I think that it's possible. It's possible. I don't think it's likely, but I think it's possible that Zach Taylor likes Justin Herbert and wants to take him. If you're the Bengals and you like Justin Herbert, if it's like really close to you or if you have Herbert above Burrow, why wouldn't you trade that first pick, slide down the five, and take Herbert? You could get a haul of other draft picks. You still take the guy that, in your eyes, you believe is the best. You take the guy that you liked the most, and then you acquire a bunch of other picks to stockpile and use on your uh, overwhelmingly shitty roster. Uh, they have got to turn it around in Cincinnati, and I think that would be a good way to jumpstart that process. Um, but I think they'll probably stick and pick and just pick Joe Burrow. The other interesting scenario is the Redskins and the Lions. Either of those teams could trade out. Now, the Redskins, again, probably just stick and pick and get what a lot of people believe is the best player in the draft, Chase Young. He's second best player for me, obviously, but he's the consensus number one for a lot of people, and he plays probably the most important position on defense, the edge rusher uh, next to the quarterback, probably the most important position on the field um, in terms of impact. Uh, some guys like the corners better, um, but I don't know. I, I I'm still a sucker for the edge rusher. The, the guy that can uh, can uh, rush the rush the passer can wreck the game. Think of your Khalil Max, your Von Millers, your Lawrence Taylors. Uh, those, those guys have a huge impact on the game. So I think it's it's possible the Redskins trade out, um, and if they do, it'll be a quarterback at two. And if that's the case, it'll go quarterback, quarterback, and Chase Young would land in the lap of the Detroit Lions. So if the, if the Redskins stick and pick, I think it's obviously Chase Young. But if, if they trade out, then the Lions could end up with Chase Young here, and that would be a gift for, for Matt Patricia. He gets, gets probably the best non-quarterback in the draft, uh, at least according to a lot of sources. Um, the New York Giants and the Dolphins again here picking – Four, five, and the Chargers at six. Chargers and Dolphins both need a QB. I think that one of those two teams is obviously going to jump up to the second or third overall pick to get a QB. That is pretty obvious to me. It's just nailing who you think that's going to be. And for me, I think it's going to be the Dolphins. Again, they have three first-round picks. They cannot afford to let the Chargers leapfrog them. Under no circumstances can that happen, or I will instantly pull out the fraud card for the Miami front office because that is just unacceptable. Um, moving on down here, once you get past the 10th overall pick with the Cleveland Browns, you get to the Jets, Raiders, 49ers, all teams that could take wideouts. So that'll be very interesting. The San Francisco 49ers get the 13th overall pick now uh, that they traded DeForest Buckner to the Colts. I think that they could uh, actually replace him directly with Javon Kinlaw, defensive interior lineman out of South Carolina. He's a really good player. Uh, a lot of people have mocked uh, Henry Ruggs to them, which is very interesting. Um, because can you imagine him and Kyle Shanahan's offense with Debo Samuel and George Kittle? Jesus Christ. Uh, I hope that it doesn't happen. I hope they take somebody else. But uh, we'll have to see. I think Ruggs will potentially be available for them. Maybe the Raiders take a stab at a guy like Ruggs. But uh, the Jets, uh, the Cardinals, 
the I suppose the Panthers maybe could do it. The Jags maybe could take a wide out. But uh, I think the 49ers will get a stab at one of the top three guys um, at, at pick 13, or it'll at least be in the range to where if they really want one of the wideouts, they can trade to go uh, make that happen and jump a little bit further. But I think San Fran could just end up sitting at 13 and just picking a really good player because um, they're going to trade that 31 pick. That pick 31 they're going to trade. They don't have a pick in rounds two through four. They don't have a pick in rounds two through four. They have to trade it. In fact, they may even trade the 13th overall pick too and then come back in the first round to get a guy. Like, do, do, I, I would not expect them to stay put in this draft. They may stay put at 13, again, to get a premium player, uh, but that, that pick 31 is as good as gone. I don't even know why we write San Fran in the name there because it's going to be a different team picking. The Minnesota Vikings also have two first-round picks after trading Stephon Diggs to the Bills. They hold pick 22 and pick 25. I think that one of those two guys is going to be a wide receiver. They desperately need a wide receiver now that they've traded Diggs. They have Thielen and a bunch of shit. And Kyle Rudolph is nearing the end. I know he had the really cool catch against the Saints, but if, but if you watch him and pay, isolate him when you're watching the games or if you go back and watch uh, the, the sky view um, or the film tape, he's, he's a shell of himself. Does not really help all that much on the line anymore. Um, so they really need, need pass catchers. And so I think that the Vikings will go that route with one, but they also need a ton of help at corner too. So this could be a, a scenario in which they go wide out corner right off the bat, just take their, their two best guys. I think they could potentially go with a safety here, but they'll probably wait. The safety class isn't very good. So uh, even at the high end, the safety class is not anywhere close to what you'd be getting at the high end of the cornerback class or the high end of the wideout class. They're in kind of that range for the wide receiver types. Like here, let me pull up my list here. The Justin Jeffersons, the Brandon Ayukes, the Denzel Mims of the world. Like that's kind of in those in that 20 range. KJ Hamler, J- Jalen Rager. That's kind of where they're going to be because they're going to miss out on the top three guys. And then in terms of the corners, let me pull that up here. They're going to miss out on Okuda. They're going to miss out on Henderson from Florida. You're probably thinking about taking Christian Fulton, Jeff Gladney, maybe Trevon Diggs, uh, Noah Igbenogany from Auburn. There, there's a there's a host of guys there. A.J. Terrell from Clemson maybe. Um, there, there's, there's a host of corners after that top two where there's kind of a drop-off. And I really kind of can't see them taking digs after they traded away his brother. So it'll be really interesting to see what the Vikes do. I think they could also take an edge rusher, to be to be quite honest. Uh, with Everson Griffin testing free agency, that defensive line it has always been stout for Zimmer. He's always put resources into it. He has used a ton of picks on corners already. I wouldn't be surprised if he if, if a guy like A.J. Epinesa falls to him or a guy like Calevon Chason or Yatur Gross Matos, he might take a stab at one of those guys. So it'll be uh, interesting to see what the Vikings do in this draft. And kind of rounding it out, uh, the the other thing that I think people have had a tough time pegging where they think he might go is the quarterback Jordan Love. I've seen him getting drafted by the Packers at 30. I saw him, he, a popular spot for him was the Colts at 13, but since they traded that pick, you go down the list and you're like, well, who could take a stab at this guy? Because it feels like there's not a fit for him in the top 10, uh, unless the Jags want to take him, which I highly doubt they do, 
or one of the teams just loves, loves, loves Jordan Love, like the like the Chargers or the Dolphins decide to take him over like Tua or Herbert or something like that, it, it's going to be tough for him to find a landing spot. Now, here's one thing that I think is interesting. The Las Vegas Raiders have been non-committal is about the most polite way I can put it towards Derek Carr. You brought in a guy in Marcus Mariota that has won and started a ton of games. Why would you do that if if you had a franchise quarterback under the age of 30 that really, for the most part, hasn't had a ton of injury concerns? I think he had the back deal and he had the leg deal, both kind of freak deals, though, that uh, don't appear to be lingering issues. He's been healthy lately. So, like, made it, made it through the 2019 season without a scrape. So they're noncommittal at best towards Derek Carr. He was there before Gruden's regime got in. It's not Gruden's guy. I don't think he loves Derek, and I think he wants to move off of him. He just hasn't been able to find the right way to do it, so he's had to be patient. Could he take a guy like Jordan Love, who has all the tools in the world, big arm, and try and coach him up into being the future of the Las Vegas Raiders? I think that's a very interesting spot for him, potentially at 12. And I think, do the Raiders have a second pick? Let me look. I don't think they do. Not that they couldn't trade back into the first. Yeah, so it would have to be at 12. No, they pick at 19. Yeah, they got that pick from the Bears for Khalil Mack. So they pick at 12 and 19. And with one of those picks, I, I, I could see it. I could see them doing it. I, I don't think they're committed to Derek. I think his days as a Raider are numbered. It's just about not getting shafted on the value for him. My, like Mike Mayock isn't going to allow them to trade him for nothing because if they can't sign a guy, they couldn't get Brady to come out there. They have to still have a starting caliber quarterback, and they can shit on him all they want. They know he's the best option that they have right now, but it, I think it will be a, a very tempting and tantalizing thing for the Raiders to go with love. And that's where we're going to end it on this podcast. Uh, Again, I'm Zach Zook. This has been Blitz on the Balcony, 50 minutes of pure football. I hope that this has given you a good break from everything going on in the world with the coronavirus and everything. So um, keep it real, guys. Thank you for making us a part of your day. And we'll see you next week, officially 14 days away from the NFL draft.